My favorite part right here when white folks come back and find out ex-niggas done stole it. This is a message to the black man in America from Elijah Muhammad, the messenger of a lot to whom praise is due forever. It ain't a rhyme, it's a lyrical sages letter. I got a mind and it's ticking like a time bomb, hitting every nigga in the head with Islam. And I'm kicking backs to the blacks in the projects. Yo, I got a sword in my hand for the rednecks. Damn the KKK. You cross burning peck of woods wearing a hood. Yo, we don't play. Go get your buddies and your white sheets fixed with a badge and a gun. Assalamu alaikum family, welcome to a special, special Thursday morning on your power call. We're going to start in the name of Allah, the beneficent, and merciful. We bear witness there is no God, but Allah, Muhammad is his messenger. We would like to greet you all with the greeting words of peace we said in Arabic language of Assalamu alaikum. We're going to get started a little earlier than usual because we do have a special guest on. And I want him to have as much time as possible, as much time as needed. Hopefully you all took the assessment. Now, let me give y'all a little background on the assessment. I became a certified coach uh, under Brother Eric, Dr. Eric Thomas, probably over a year ago, man. But I just ain't had time to use it, man. So I reached out to Brother Mustafa and I said, man, I got to find a way to integrate this, man. I got to integrate this. So, uh... He gave me some good ideas, man. So one of them was to introduce it to you all like this through the power call, man. So hopefully you all took the assessment. If you did take the assessment already, go ahead and put the number one in the comment section. Have you taken your assessment? You was able to read over it a little bit. 
Uh, hopefully y'all did because that's going to give you what you need for the insight that he's going to be bringing us uh, this morning. I've did I've done it probably a couple times over the years, man. And this is my favorite one because it's customized, I believe, for our community. You know, you've probably heard of a, a disc assessment and things of that nature. And it's kind of been general or, you know. It's been, it was on point, but this one right here, I'm talking about this one here leans in, you know, to our community, man. So I'm very excited to hear uh, about this. And it, and it goes right in line with what we've been talking about, especially last week. Last week, we went over the atonement process, as you guys know, uh, the, uh, the anniversary of the Million Man March. Uh, was recently passed on Monday, and that whole march was about reconciliation. The whole march was about atonement. And so uh, Friday, we dealt with how to repair relationships with Sister Iyanla Van Zandt. And so today, we already saw what that did. So today, now we got an assessment, not just about someone else, but an assessment about ourselves. And now we're going to hear, inshallah, okay, what why are most relationships failing and what can we do to fix them? So we're going to introduce our brother, Brother Mustafa, who is, uh, I would say, uh, one of the experts, uh, one of the experts when it comes to this assessment and analyzing it and really getting us to understand in the 19 pages that we already have is good. I've already been reading y'all testimonials inside of the Power Call app. However, now we finna get deeper insight that's about to blow your mind. So let's introduce our brother, Mustafa, so we can learn uh, and grow this morning. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Body always messing up. Hold on. I got to fix. Put that out of your own. Oh, maybe that was me. Let me know when I'm good. Could you hear me? Say something again. Maybe that was you. Oh, I I mean, that is me. Can you hear me? I'm not hearing nothing. Drop a one if you can if you can hear me. I see brother Wesley said we hear Let me him. Go here. All right, I think I think we good, brother Ben. Yeah, I know y'all can hear him, but uh, in. sometimes on my computer. Side. All right, all right. Well, let me give it a second. Give it a right, second. Try to say something, brother Wesley. I'm like, say something again. I'm like, man, I can't hear y'all. Hold on. Uh -oh. check, 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 check. I hear myself. Okay, hold on. Yeah, it's something on the Zoom. Hold on, let me try to fix it. Output on Zoom. Speaker. Try to say something now. Sound check. There we go. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Excellent, excellent. Well, good morning, man. Thanks for the opportunity to share. You know this uh, incredible information that has been honestly transformative for my life. And, you know, for the thousands of other people who've had the opportunity to go through this has been a wonderful blessing. So I'm excited to, you know, be welcomed into your community and, and get this thing going. Um, I'll give you a quick background, a little bit about me, and then I'm, I'm going to be calling on a lot of you. Hopefully you're in a position to just share your intentions or your top priorities for this call, because I believe, you know, the best thing or the best way to get what you're looking for is to know what you're looking for. You know, there was a time in my walk of faith where I was, you know, a Muslim who was born in Egypt. I migrated to the States at the age of seven. And so I didn't grow up knowing how to read and write the Arabic language. I didn't know how to read the Quran. There were not nearly as many resources that translated the Quran from Arabic to English as that which exists today. 
So I always felt like, man, this, this is why I'm not a good Muslim. This is why I can't get closer to Allah. This is why I can't. This is why I can't. But I remember one time, it was a year after college, that I said, let me just look. Are there any brothers who talk about the Quran in English? And to my surprise, and to my surprise, the many podcasts that I found, the mosques that had English jomas, like it was out of this world, the resources. So I always like to start and emphasis and emphasize by saying you cannot find what you're not willing to look for. So we always I always encourage everyone when you get on a call, set your intention for the call. Say, ask yourself, man, what do I really want to get out of this call? Am I going with an intention to know exactly what I'm looking for? Am I just wandering on the call, hoping that someone throws something out there that might bless me? And sometimes that's the case and no problem. But I'm telling you right now, the more that you can be intentional about what you're looking to walk away from every single time you dedicate your time to knowledge of self or self-development, the quicker, the faster, and the better that you will become as a result of that, because you know exactly what you need to get, you know, what you need to get or receive or grow or develop. And so that takes, that takes some guts, that takes some courage, because what, what needs to happen in that process? You got to be honest with yourself. You got to check yourself. You got to call yourself out and say, hey, come on now. You, you know, you're slipping up in this area a little bit. You know, you could be better in this area. You know, you're not perfect. You know, you care more about what others think about you than what's actually happening. You know, you care more about looking successful than actually doing the things that make you successful. Right. I don't know if, if I'm speaking uh, maybe too, too transparent, but I'm just I'm just putting it out there that that wasn't always uh, the case for me. But I but I've learned that, man, you, you got to be honest with yourself if you're going to get out of your situation. You can't you can't you can't really change what you're not willing to accept. So I always like to start off by saying that. But um, a little bit about about me, uh, Mustafa Gonem. Everyone calls me Moose. I like to joke around, but I'm in a Muslim community, so I feel so much better. I just tell everybody, please don't call me Mustard or Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? Growing up in the States, different communities, man, they butchered my name left and right. It's like, oh, Mufasa. I'm like, no, it's Mustafa. Guys, I'm not talking about the Lion King, please. So I appreciate y'all for, uh, you know what I'm saying, just using whichever name you prefer. Um, so I, I actually... Uh, met Brother Ben X, as he mentioned, through Dr. Eric Thomas's community. I oversee the head of business development and training for the Extreme Execution Flight Assessment, which is what you all had the opportunity to take on today. So been a blessing, man, been in that, in that role for going on six or seven years now. We've had the opportunity to work with professional athletes, Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and everything in between, honestly, youth educators. So it's been a wide array of, of knowledge and experiences that allowed me to understand what are the common traits in successful people? What are the things that help people to exceed, excel, and accelerate? And what are the things that make people fall victim to their situation or can't get a grip or a handle on their situation. So I'm grateful to be able to share all that with you all today. But before I get into it, I just want to call on a couple of people, man. Let me know. Let me know. Um, what is your intention for this call? What do you want to walk away with when you talk about wanting to understand why relationships fail? What does that mean to you? 
And what is the one or two specific things that you need to walk away with today to say, you know what, this was worth my 30, 45 minutes, however much time you invest into it. Give me some feedback real quick before we get into this thing and we'll get the party started. For any introverts on the line that feel it's easier to put it in the in the chat, by all means, I'm an introvert by nature. So nah, y'all, y'all know the deal. Don't. Come on, press the number one if y'all got something y'all want to share. I see Brother Wesley, Love you it. raise your hand first. Go ahead, Brother Wesley. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, one of the, the biggest things for me is getting over overthinking. I'm a, I'm a big overthinker, a big perfectionist, um, especially in business and personally as well. I definitely concern myself a lot about how I'm perceived. I, I care a lot about other people so much that I worry about coming across the wrong way, especially when you're in the service industry and you're trying to help people. You don't mm -hmm. want to offend. And I think I sometimes trip over my own feet in doing that as well. So that's one of the biggest things is getting that clarity and shed off some of that weight that I'm putting on myself um, so that I can be more, more, more of service and more successful. Got it. All right. Uh, Brother Jax. Assalamu alaikum, family. Um, one of my biggest problems is, again, like Brother Wesley said, overthinking. And I like routine. So when people break routine, I like, I get frustrated. Now I'm overthinking. And I just got to understand that some people do get weary. Some people get tired. And some people like um, randomly doing different things. So I got to get over overthinking that <clears throat> just because they broke routine that they're not doing something negative or wrong towards me. Mm. Sister, you, uh, Sister Yolanda, last one. Assalamualaikum. Uh, one thing that I would like to, to get over is when confronting a situation, being able to accept whatever comes without being fearful of losing anything and to dig more deeper into myself and just allowing myself to blossom, be who I am, whether people accept it or not, and be pro more productive in establishing my business. Mm. Man, so good. So good. I got some good news for y'all, man. I got some good news for y'all. Y'all excited for some good news this early in the morning? I'm about an hour ahead of you guys in New York on the East Coast. But, but aren't y'all excited for good news? The good news is that every single thing that you all want to address can be done and the power is in your hands. Isn't that beautiful? Like, imagine if I told you, hey, you can do this, but you have to go to somebody else. You have to convince so-and-so. So the, the, this person needs to say yes to this. The power is in your hands. Literally to change everything that you talked about, fear of being accepted, not wanting to lose people, being able to adjust to change and all of the different things that you mentioned, the power is in your hands. So for me, that's always good news. I always say, man, I'd be so worried if I try my absolute hardest to be the best person I can be so that I can accomplish my dreams and goals. And then I don't reach that milestone. Right, Brother Wesley? Like, I'm trying. I don't reach the milestone. And then... Whoever it is, the power that be comes and says, sorry, we can't do anything else about your situation. You're going to have to try again on the next lifetime. Can you imagine that? That's like, oh, my God, that is the worst thing to receive. The good news for me is there is always room for us to grow beyond our potential. That's always like you, you can be at the best you're, that you've ever been. You can be not so good. There's always room. So for me, there's always good news whenever whenever someone says, yeah, no, you 
you got some more to go and guess what you control that it's actually in your hands to make that happen. So for me, that's good news. So let's get into some of these slides and really start working through the concept of what we're talking about here, right? So before we get into it, um, I always like to say that uh, some, some, set some rules of engagement. You know, typically we do this training live and we'll be in a room together and maybe one day we'll get to experience that. But even virtually, as we're walking through this information, I'm going to say some things that you might, that might not sit well with you. You know, as, as our good brother Willie Moe would say, uh, it's not going to sit well in your shanana, right? And, and before you get confronted in your shanana, I don't want you to just be like, man, this boy don't know what he's talking about. I want you to just for a moment say, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me go back to the rules of engagement so that I can make sure I get the most out of this hour together. So, so here's some rules that I think will help you significantly as we go through this information together, right? Number one, before you point the finger and say, oh, it's, it's Brother Ben's fault because he never, oh, it's Brother Wesley's, he definitely never, oh, it's my mom's fault, oh, it's my dad, it's, my, it's God's fault. Before you point the finger, I want you to turn back a thumb and ask yourself a question. What could I have done differently to create a better outcome for myself in this situation? Because when I talk about you have the power, you know how you give your power away? When you're in a situation or an opportunity to grow and develop and you blame it on somebody else, you never confront yourself and you walk away from the situation never changed. Nothing changed about you. You missed out on an opportunity to grow and develop because you want to shed blame. I wish shedding blame was, you know, just that. No, shedding blame literally robs us of the opportunity to grow and develop because we never get to confront and check what we contributed to the situation that created that outcome that we're unhappy with, right? So number two, listen to understand. Here's the beautiful thing about this. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but do you realize or have you ever realized that the same letters in the word listened, listen, listen, they also are in the word silent. I'm talking about the exact same letters that exist in the word listen, they exist in the word silent. And so that should give us a cue on how to listen. For those of us who are in conversations and, co and constantly thinking about, oh, I'm not about to let them get over on me. I just can't wait till they stop talking so I can give them a piece of what's on my mind. Are you really listening to that person the entire time when they're talking and you just thinking about what you're going to respond to them so you could show them how dumb they are about the point that they just made? You want to talk about why relationships fail? It's because we don't listen. It's because we can't quiet the chatter in our minds, that insecurity that we're trying to cover up, that ego that we're so afraid that somebody else, somebody will get to know the real version of us, that cover up, that macho. You want, if you really want to talk about but Brother Ben, I don't know if I'm allowed to go here this morning because I know it's a little early, it, but if you really want to know why relationships fall or fail, it, I, I, I'm just going to give you some hints along the way. Number three, and this is, man, I have learned, this is my constant, almost accountability gut check that I use literally all the time. Anytime you find yourself about to make an assumption where someone may something say something to you and you're like, oh, I know, I know they're not talking to me like that. Or I can't believe that that's what they meant. No, they meant that. Well, I assume that because you said it this way. Oh, 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 oh. So we're working off of tone and just basic understanding. 
So I tell myself now, don't assume, ask a question. Anytime in conversation you find yourself about to type or about to say the word, I assume you should stop. You should stop yourself and say, hold up. I know this is against the law of engagement or against the rules of engagement. I should not be using the word, I assume. I assume, does anybody know what the word assume is? Somebody in the chat, let me open up the chat. I haven't been following along in the chat real quick. Let me see, somebody in the chat, uh, give, give me a definition. What's the word, uh, what does the word assume mean? I, I came across a really powerful definition for the word assumption that I said, man, I got to scream this from the mountaintops because if people walk away with the understanding of assumption as I've understood it through this definition, it's about to be a whole new ball game. Somebody give me a, a quick in your own words, it doesn't have to be the politically correct or the Webster's Dictionary, if you will. But what what is a what is assumption? Let's see. Making a you know what out of you and me. That's a fact. Absolutely. Oh, everyone going with that one. Okay, <laughs> I like it. Well, well, the one that I found is assumptions are unchallenged beliefs. That's powerful. That's powerful, guys. Let, let, let me say it one more time. Assumptions are unchallenged beliefs. In some cases, you inherited broken belief systems from past generations to no fault of your own, and you never went back and asked the question, why? Is this valid? Should, I, should this continue to be my world order or my belief system of how things function in the world? You've never done that. You just said, oh, mom did this, grandma did this, so-and-so did this, they passed it on to me. That's got to be the way life works. But you're still unhappy with the results that you're getting. That's the problem. So unchallenged beliefs is what make assumptions so dangerous. And so you got to ask questions. Hey, Brother Jax, I just want to make sure I'm understanding what I heard you say. Is this what you meant when you said one, two, three? Because he might come back and say, no, 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 no. I'm sorry if it came off that way. I actually meant ABC. I want to help you. I'm not trying to disrespect you. Think about how many relationships you would savor just with that alone. Stopping to ask. I just want to confirm that I understood what you said is what you meant. You got to give some people grace, man. Do you think everybody on planet Earth is a perfect communicator? You think everybody is emotionally intelligent and they know how to articulate and put into words the things that they feel? Do you know how difficult it is to put into words the emotions that humans feel? That's a difficult practice. Some of the best in the world have trouble doing that. So we can't assume that in our everyday relationships, people younger, equal, or even older than us, we can't just assume that they have mastered that practice. When you start getting this understanding of yourself and the world around you and the process it takes to become a masterful communicator, someone who's great at nurturing relationships, you, you, you approach the world a little bit differently. You build relationships differently, right? That's important. And then lastly, my, 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 this one, <laughs> this one is so dangerous because what I realize is that some of us, just some of us, not everyone, uh, we have a few extra muscles in our facial structure, right? We, we just have a few, it's just a little, something some strong right here. And if flexed a certain way, you say way more right here without even saying a word out your mouth. 
And so that is damaging to relationships because people are trying to speak to you. And before they're done, they're just like uneasy about how you feel about what you could, you could be absolutely comfortable with everything that they're saying, but it's just your, you know what I'm saying? Like some of those flexes come off a little bit differently. So I got to warn you, man. Uh, I didn't even think we, this was going to be so applicable to the rules of engagement or why relationships fail, but I'm looking at it like, dang, this usually is a gut check to help us get an understanding of ourselves and how we move into the information. But seriously, we could cut this thing off right here. And I believe there's a, there's value in navigating relationships without right fail or anything like that. Real quick, man, can, can somebody just give me some feedback? How is this stuff resonating for you? And you, you don't got to come off mute, maybe even in the chat real quick. Is this stuff resonating? Is this helpful? Do, do you, are you experiencing some of this? What's up? Let me know real quick, real quick. We, we're not going to waste time on this one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sister Yolanda said, definitely. Brother Timothy, Timothy said, yes, sir. Sister Sabrina. Okay. I see y'all. I see y'all. I just want to do a quick check, post check to figure out what's going on. So let's get into a little bit of the technical side of it now and, and really understand, well, Why? why, why, why should I even pay attention to this flight assessment that you're talking about? Why, why are you so convincing right now? And I don't even like you, right? If you're asking yourself that, like, I don't even like this dude, but dang, he, he's really kind of convincing me right now. Like, if you just want to know why, let, let me help you out to get some perspective. And by the way, I'm only saying that because me personally, I'm spectacle, I'm skeptical by nature. So when I meet somebody, I make a joke and I say, look, I'm not saving your phone number in my phone book until at least six months until after I've met you. I need to know you're going to be a lifer. I'm not as if as if saving your phone number in my phone book or in my phone is a is a is a committed marriage or something. I don't know. I'm so weird about that. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But that's just how I am. I'm skeptical by nature. And so because I understand myself the way I do, I. I have done things to protect me from me, right? If, if you're going to be successful at relationships and not allow your relationships to fail, you have to get so good at understanding the unique and intimate parts of you. You have to face that with honest truth. No cover up because it's you. You got to face that with honest truth. And when you face those parts of you that you're like, dang, can't believe this is me. I want you to protect you from you. Don't ignore it. Don't try to hide it. Don't think that, uh, uh, you know, people shouldn't know this or, or I, whatever the case may be. It, it blows my mind how many of us want a perfect story, but we never relate with perfect stories. Like if I, come, if I came on here and said, listen, guys, I've been perfect my whole life. I've never missed a prayer. I've never sinned. I've never done anything wrong. You would be like, dude, just, just get off the, just get off now. Like that, that's not my experience. You're not a prophet. Get out of here. Right. So, so many of us want a perfect story, but we don't relate with perfect stories. It's, it's unbelievable to me, but here's, here's the, here's the, the science behind this thing. Right. So there was a study conducted by Cornell university, as well as a consulting group called green peak, and they really wanted to understand what is it that makes successful people successful? What is, what, is, what is it about high performers? How are they able to excel in every area of their life or professionally at such a consistent basis? That's something that we all want. We want to be consistent 
or we want to be successful consistently. We want to perform at the most effective level all the time, not seasonally, not whenever we feel good. We want to be able to do it all the time. And what they discovered was there were two common traits that led to success. The first one was self-awareness. And the second was authenticity. Self-awareness is an understanding of your strengths, your talents, your feelings and emotions. And also, we've been talking about this, your non-talents. So I can't say, oh, I'm self-aware. I know what I'm good at. Hey, talk to me. No, 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 no. You cannot be self-aware if you're not understanding of what you're good at, what, what God gifted you to do that he didn't gift nobody else. But you also have to have knowledge and understanding around what God told you, hey, don't touch this. This is not your gift. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of us, even as believers, we try to play the role of God and think that we can be good at all things. Stop it. Right? So it's not this strengths and weaknesses. I don't use those words. You'll never hear me in my training talk about strengths and weaknesses. I may reference it once or twice to help people draw the connection, but I don't believe that we as humans, the creator created us with weaknesses. I don't believe that our creator, our God would do something like that. Our God is just strategic in saying, hey, because I made you gifted in this area and because it's going to consume so much of your energy and your focus, you're not going to have desire to focus on this other thing. And that's okay, because guess what? There are seven, almost uh, eight billion people on the planet or whatever it is that can help you with that. And so the minute that you get good with you and you don't feel any kind of way that you are leaning on someone else to help complete your missing pieces, your relationships go to a whole nother level. Just at that alone, the understanding of what is my gift and what is not. Not what you can and can't do. I'm not saying that because we can do anything we put our minds to. But if that's the case, wouldn't you want the advantage of being really, really good at the thing that, you, that comes really, really easy to you? Like imagine being so faithful that you're dedicating that effort, that energy, the commitment to the thing that you're already good at. Wouldn't that make you the top 1% in your field already? but you start focusing on things that you're not gifted to do. You get what I'm saying. I'm not going to waste time here, but authenticity, right? Is the second thing that they found. And authenticity is having the courage to stay true despite external pressure. This is the big one here. This is what some of you said. When I feel like I have to maybe mute myself or go against my own boundaries so I don't lose people that I love. This is the authenticity part. This is you code switching or changing up to be accepted in a room where maybe you don't belong in the first place. I always ask people, how do you pick relationships? How do you pick relationships? Give, 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 give me something in the chat. How do most people pick relationships? Can somebody tell me? Be honest, not the politically correct thing, but be honest. How, how do most people find relationships? Self-benefit, beauty. Oh, I love the honesty. Absolutely. Come on. Social media, true, true, right? The visual. A lot of this external stuff. Somebody said Tinder. I love that. Based on the energy we share, the chemistry, conversation, right? All of that to me speaks what? Common interest. Common interest. 
You want to be in a relationship that's truly fulfilling and beneficial and mutual and, and it lights your soul on fire where you feel that God gave you this person to help you on the path of your purpose. Pick somebody who has common values with you. When you're with interests change, look, I might be into something today that I might not really be into next year because it's no longer really what? Fun for me, engaging, whatever the case may be. Values though? Like it's, I can almost guarantee, matter of fact, I can really guarantee because that's how convicted I am. 29 years from now, I'm still going to be a Muslim. That's a value. That's a part of who I am. That's not, a, I'm not interested in Islam. I'm not like, oh, just, just check it. I'm not window shopping Islam. I'm not here trying to check it out. This is a part of my value system right now. So if I pick relationships where we have common values, not just common interest, that's something that is going to be concrete because we don't have to right, worry about, wait, is this person going to do is, does, does this person have my best interest at heart? No, we share the same values. I know they have my best interest at heart. How do I know that? Because to some extent, they believe what I believe. They may have different perspectives on it, right? They might see the world slightly different, but they believe what I believe. And so authenticity is having the courage to be who you are despite what the world tells you you need to be to be successful or to be accepted by others. And so the minute that you realize that it's about the best relationships have common values and not common interests, you navigate this differently. Let's see this. Brother Thimothy said, I've been losing relationships, understanding my value and what, my, what feeds my soul rather than my own selfish wants. I've been losing relationships. I got to read that again. I've been losing relationships, understanding my value and what feeds my soul rather than my own selfish wants. I, if I'm understanding what you're saying there, that's a good thing to me. Because it just means that you might be becoming, you, you're, you're being awakened to your real values and you know, what feeds your souls. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that were around you weren't really in tune with that. And so loss is not always bad. I know sometimes we're like, man, I can't believe I'm losing so many friends. Guys, listen, loss is not always bad. You can't make room for what you're supposed to have without losing something, without giving away stuff. Right. So that's important. That's an important part of the process. But let's keep going. Where, where am I on time? I don't even have a where's my where's my I don't know where am I on. I just keep going. Brother Ben, you might just need to come and interrupt me and say, all right, stop talking. That's a lot. Just just cut it off. I gave you the, the definitions to to uh, self-awareness and authenticity. But check, check this out, man. This is again, I'm skeptical. Right. I don't just believe at first glance. I, give me the proof. Show me the car facts. A study by Harvard Business Review reveals that even though most people believe they are self-aware, let me just read that one more time. Most people believe they are self-aware. Most people believe like, of course I know me. I've lived with me my whole life. How can I know me? Like, think about it. I've been with me every single day of my life. I know me. Okay. Okay. I got you. Well, only 10 to 15% of the people studied actually fit the criteria. Wow. You mean to tell me the thing that's required for success. You remember this slide? You remember this slide when we said there are two things required for success. One of them is self-awareness. And then this slide is telling me what? That everyone thinks they have it. But the, the, the stats, the research says only 10 to 15% of the people who think they have it actually do. That's, that's wild. 
That means there are 85 and even 90% of the people walking around thinking what? They're not the problem. And they are. Thinking that they don't have no more room to grow, that they don't need to do any work on them, that everyone else is at, as the problem and we're not. And look, guys, if we are just going to use simple math, I have to believe that this stat is also relevant in this room. Maybe not as prevalent. I'm not saying 90 or 85% of y'all don't know. But come on now. This should be proof that, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, seriously, who am I? Like, do I really know? Am I crystal clear on my talents and my non-talents? Do, do I have the ability to articulate the emotions that I feel? Do I know how to solve problems, manage relationships, take care of my time, and build strategic plans so that I never end up in a bad situation? This is the time. This is good news. I swear. Brother Wesley, I get excited. And thank you for having your camera on, by the way, because I'm just talking to you. You're the, you're the only person, at least on my gallery, that has their camera on. So I'm just talking to you. Everybody else, I see y'all in the chat. I'm just, I'm just talking to Brother Wes here because he got his camera on. But this is good news to me. So, so what happens when you don't know how to self-assess, right? This is one of the leaders in our, in, our, in our team. He talks about the biggest issue with humans is that they don't self-assess. They don't challenge who they are. They don't understand who they are. And so in reality, you thinking, right, you looking like the cat on the left. It's like, oh, this is this, this what I look like. Look at me looking all good and stuff, just straight shining on them. <laughs> but 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 what's really happening is, ooh, 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 it's not as good as you think. When there's a disconnect between who you think you are and how you really are, this is how other people see you. This is why relationships fail. Because you think, wait, I'm so good. Look at me, I'm such a good person. Uh, that I, I mean well, I intend to do this. But people are judging you based on reality. If you want to know how to save your relationships from failing, please make note of this. Understand that people judge you by your impact. However, we judge ourselves by our intent. We're always judging ourselves based on what we meant to do. Ooh, I, I, oh, I, I didn't mean for it to come off like that. My bad. I, I didn't. I didn't know. Like what, what? that's how you judge yourselves. You're always looking for grace because we judge ourselves naturally, just as humans. We judge ourselves based on what we intended to say or do. Other people don't care about what you intended to say or do. They judge you based on your impact. How did what you say or do make them feel? What impact did it created in our in their lives? So that quote by Maya Angelou when she says. People will forget what you said and forget all these, but they will never forget how you made them feel. That's the reality of this one right here. That's a, that's a, that's a almost valid proof around. This is a common mistake that we all make in our lives that ruin our relationships. And if I have to stop my relationships from failing, I have to create alignment between how I see myself and how others receive me. And I need to create alignment between what I intend to say, what I intend to do, and I need to be crystal clear on how others receive what I say and do, right? G give me some feedback in the chat. Give me some feedback in the chat. I think we're getting there now, Brother Ben. I think people are really starting to connect with it now. I think we're getting there now. This is good stuff, right? This is good stuff. I love it. I love it. So let, let, let's keep going. Let's keep going. 939. Good.
Good. Let's keep going. So I gave you a cheat. I gave you a hint at this one in the in the early in the presentation when I talked about the rules for engagement, right? But I talk about the reason why this happens, the reason why there's a disconnect, the reason why there's a disconnect between how you see yourself and how others receive you, all these things. It's because we just assume. We just assume. And so if you want to know how this really works, I want you to check this out. Do me a favor, just, just go ahead and read this for, for, for those of you maybe not on camera or don't have your phone in hands. Just, just take a look at this for a second and read this really quick. Just read it. I'll give you a second and then I'll read it behind you. All right, this one says, and, and this is wild, right? This is a bunch of letters that look like they're all out of order with the exception of the very, uh, of maybe the only word, the. That's the only one. The and of, uh, they seem to be in a good place. But a bunch of letters all out of order. If you told me on any given day, if I'm not looking at a picture, hey, can you read letters that are out of order? I would tell you, no, that, that's, that's stupid. Like who reads stuff out of order? That don't even make sense. But this says the phenomenal power of the human mind. According to a research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in the word are. The only important thing is that the first and last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without problem. This is because emphasis, when I put emphasis on something, I want you to really pay attention because this is where it comes all together. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. This is why there's that disconnect. It's our, uh, literally our minds are wired this way. Like literally when God was thinking about, all right, let me create and then little this and little, he said, okay, I'm going to wire the brain this way. So you can't be mad at the fact or accept that you're free of this, this situation here. You just have to say, oh, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not the exception to the natural human design. I'm not going to be the exception to that. I need to start working on understanding how does this apply to me and what I can fix to save my relationships, right? Just know that there's nothing wrong with you. When I talk about this or when I bring this to your attention, I'm not saying you're, you're broken or something's wrong with you or you need to. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is how we as humans are. And we just need to pay attention. If we're going to fix it, we need to pay attention so that we can make the adjustment. That's all, that's all I'm saying, right? So let me show you the, the power of, of assumptions, right? Uh, uh, and sorry, I have to use a white man on the screen, but it's the only one for the example. It is what it is, right? When you look at this picture at first glance, what comes to mind? Right? You're like, oh, this dude, this dude, this dude's character is out of whack. Like, I, I should have known. This, this is why I don't trust him. It, right. Your, your mind is already going like, oh, this dude is just tripping. Right. That's how most of us respond to every situation in our lives. We see first glance. Boom. We never say, OK, hold on a second. But what if I take a different perspective? To recognize what is happening, like like before I just make an assumption about somebody and call them bad or whatever the case may be. Why, why, why don't I take another perspective to think about what has this person been through? Where do they come from? What is their life experience like? 
how does that experience differ than mine? And how can I take a different approach so that we can land on common ground? You see, it's so hard for us to do this because we as humans, we always want to be right. We just care so much about being right. And every time that happens, I like to remind people, if you're right, but the relationship fails, you're being right at the wrong thing. Like, does it really matter that you prove your point, that you make someone lose the argument, that you make someone feel stupid because you got the receipts and you got the facts? Okay, great. You, hey, you're right. Cool. No problem. But you tarnish the relationship in the process. What good does that make? What good does that make? All right. You're right at the wrong thing or you're right, but we got the wrong outcome. Who's really right after all. And so honestly, some of us need to sit down. There's a, there's a passage, one of the, my favorite passages in the Quran. It says, seek help through patience and prayer. And I get goosebumps every time I talk about this, because truly we need to sit with ourselves and say, man, God, help me. Help me with this right here. If you're someone, you, and again, you can't fix what you didn't accept to be a problem. You just can't do it. So you have to sit with yourself. If, you, if that ego is something you struggle with, if you need to make everyone feel stupid and you need to let everyone know that you're right and you got it all together, but your relationships are suffering as a result of that, you got to spend some time with you and sit down and say, God, help me. I'm going to be patient through this process Help, help me understand how I can do better so that I can overcome the weakness of my heart, the we, the, the, this thing in my character. I know I've been through some things. We've all been through some things that have made us the way we are. But man, can I just take a moment? Please release me of this. I care about my relationships. I care about people. Release me of this. Right? We, we, we really need to do that. And so I gave you this training. Now it's time for a test. What's the word on the screen, y'all, real quick? Put it in the chat. What's the word on the screen? What's the word on the screen? Okay, good, Yoke. good, good, good. I love it. Now, real quick, what do cows drink? What do cows drink? Yoke. What do cows drink? All right, all right. I see the milk's coming in. Silk and milk. All right. Man, what do cows drink, y'all? Take a moment and really think about it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, come on, y'all. I just sat here and gave you a whole presentation about how our minds are wired to assume. And I'm thinking you're going to be equipped to pass the <laughs> silly example. But you see what I mean? We, we literally just spent the last, I don't know, 30 minutes talking about, man, assumptions tarnish relationships. Guys, our minds are wired for this. You got to look out for this. Watch out. And then I put you on the pressure. I put you on the spot. Life tests your character. And you're like, shoot, yep, cows drink milk. Why? You assumed silk and milk rhyme. You, without thinking, that's what happens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Someone said, I can't believe I said milk. Right, right. Of course, someone, uh, shout out to Sister Farris. Sister Farris said, but baby cows drink milk. There's always one person in every presentation that I do that always says that. Now, but hold on a second, though. Baby cows drink milk? We're talking about what the real cows drink. I didn't say what baby cows drink. I said, what do cows drink? Cows drink water, right? But the point is, when we are put under pressure, our real self is going to come out. Our real self is going to come out under pressure. So how do you wax that? How do you erase that? 
How do you shape and mold a newer, more refined version of you? Practice. Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. Yes, we're talking about practice. We're talking about self-development. We're talking about commitment. We're talking about taking the time to study your report and your assessment to understand what are your natural tendencies? What are your natural wirings? What does that mean? And what you need to look out for. So when you, when you approach the flight assessment through that lens, now that you have the fundamental understanding, simply just why. Why is this important? Why should I pay attention? And why are my relationships failing? You start navigating your report. The, the data already is giving you the insight about yourself that you need to study. You need to just look out for what's my natural wiring? What does that mean? And what adjustments do I need to make so I can connect with those who are not like me? You know, last thing I'll say, I want to leave some room for question and answer here. Maybe you guys want to dialogue a little bit before we end up closing. I hope you really got some value from this. I always say that the assessment doesn't matter if you don't understand the foundation, the philosophy that this is built on. You, you have to sit there and really take a moment to recognize what is behind these colorful bars and the numbers and the words in this report? What's behind that? What does this even mean? Why should I, why should I care? Right. When I talk about challenge, challenge the, or, or assumptions or unchallenged beliefs, right? That, that's, that's me doing that to our own process so that you guys know, okay, here's why I should care. Because I probably fall victim to these natural human tendencies and I have to put in work to make that adjustment. Right. So uh, I hope you all got some, some, some serious value from that. Last thing I'll say, uh, and, and I, I know, I think we might've shared maybe six or seven different things so far about why relationships fail. But here's, here's one of the most common reasons. I want to share this one before we close. One of the most common reasons why relationships fail. And this one is you're often expecting you out of other people. All right. Most relationships fail because you are upset at the fact that someone else who is not you is not responding, not doing, not saying what you would have done in that particular situation. I had to say it to y'all, man. I, I, just, I just hate to have walked away not sharing the truth. And so you notice subtly all throughout, I'm saying, how do you connect with people who are not like you? For the most part, if you and somebody else, you're the exact caliber of person Look, yeah, you might have disagreements from time to time. No two people are perfectly aligned, but it's like, you, 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 are, you two are cut from the same cloth. There's not going to be much friction there. But when, with the people who are not like you, if you're a, if you're a fast-paced person de dealing with a detail-oriented person who every two seconds says, hold up a second, I got a question. <laughs> That's me right there. If you're dealing with me, I got a bunch of questions. I need to know. And I need to know that I know what I thought you said so that I know, so that we all know. Like we need to know, no, right? <laughs> I need to know, no, before I proceed, right? And so you, the, the issue is not with people who are like you. The issue is with people who are not like you that create common friction. Now, here's the beauty about it. When, I, when you study this information, and maybe we'll have a part two at, to this at some point, and we'll start 
diving into what are the four personality styles, what, what are the likes and dislikes of each one, and what adjustments you need to make to speak a common language that they understand, right? This is where you go from clashing heads with people who are not like you to becoming open-minded so that your differences can complete each other's missing pieces. That's a powerful demonstration. I hate that I have to cover my face to say that. But when we are close-minded, right, our differences clash. Like, man, we just keep bumping heads. But when we start to recognize all of the different rules of engagements that I've shared with you so far, all of the different reasons why relationships fail, and you just start with you. I'm not saying go try and fix them. Just start with you. You make the adjustment. Don't worry about how they respond. You make the adjustment. You work on you. You, you fix you first. Don't worry about if they'll, if they'll like it or not, if they'll stay or they'll leave. Just work on you first. Or you become open-minded. And as you become open-minded, hopefully they will too, because now you'll not wait for them to change. You're just going to speak their language and find common ground with them. Whether or not they respond, that's none of your business. You, you're moving with the right heart. You have the right intention. So as you're open-minded, now your differences actually complete each other's missing pieces. Right? Whatever you may not have, they may have naturally. And this is how powerful teams are created. This is how people are able to stay together through many challenges. Now, I don't say good times. It's not You don't reward someone for staying together during good times. Like how, how difficult it is to stay with somebody when things are great. Business is booming. Money's coming in. We're all, we're all having a good time. Everyone feels like they're walking in their purpose. You don't get a reward for that. You get a reward, reward for navigating difficult times. When you start to question, is this where I belong? And yet you still find the courage, the discipline, the commitment to say, I'm staying right here. I know this is what I've been called to do. I, I'm going to be the best that I can be and let God count my ways. Oh, if it's for me, it will be for me. Right? This is why I love talking to a group of believers, because I don't have to think twice. Like my natural wiring, I can't help but talk and, and say the word God. Like, hello, I'm a believer. It, that that's just is what it is. Sometimes you be in these corporate settings like, good. <laughs> right? It's like, I just get tired of it. I, last time I was at a school in California, I just said, listen, God created us this way. God, <laughs> not aliens, not, 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 not God. Okay? You just get tired of it and you just do what you got to do. So listen, y'all. Thank you all so much for tapping in with us this morning. I hope this has been a blessing and, and a good way to get your day started and, you know, uh, possibly end your week and, and, and life changing all together. Let me step aside. If y'all got any question, brother Ben, as always, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I, I am so uh, both honored and honestly inspired by the work and the person that you are, because, you know, you continue to do the tough work. You, you, you hold your stance and, and, it's 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 inspiring to see that man. There's not many people on the internet with with large with such large platforms that have the ability to navigate some of the things that you've had to go through and and stand tall and 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 speak the truth, man. So thank you uh, for this opportunity and and thanks for everything you've done as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Another beautiful presentation. Now, uh, now, brother Mustafa, don't know, but we have over 140 some people tuned in right now. But mm. just the people that's on the other side ain't came over to the premium side, okay? So mm. part two, when he's going over the actual assessment that you guys take, that's gonna just be for premium. I just wanted y'all to see the see the presentation, okay? I wanted y'all to okay get your feet wet. 
But man, that part two, you got to come on over to that premium side. That's going to be premium only. But man, this is a great presentation. Um, right, right, right in line with what we've been dealing with. Right in line with what we talked about on um, on Fridays with relationships and making things work because we are all different and when you go deep into your assessment you're going to see just how different we are like we all said like everybody's different and different personality type but when you get into that assessment we really see how we receive things how we give off things like even for me as I was you know doing the, the the older one that we had with the high d and things of that nature just how I take notes and how I listen is different when I'm on a call I always used to wonder why I always fall asleep. Why I'm always because I'm I'm the person who's driven. Just give me the cliff notes. I don't need. I'm not air traffic control. I'm not trying to take no. I ain't got no whole bunch of questions. I just want to hear what's my assignment. Then I'm out. So I can't be that way and expect someone who is like brother Mustafa to act like me, or else we're going to clash if we don't understand why and how each other. Operate. So I'm not going to take, take over the call. I just want to share that with you guys. So make sure y'all upgrade to become a premium member. There's much more where this is going to be coming from. So if you guys got a question in the chat, uh, press the number one. If you guys got a, uh, got a question, you got something you need clarified, uh, something about what he presented today, go ahead and press the number one on Zoom if you guys would like to ask a question before he gets out of here. No questions? Hey, maybe I did a really good job. They had no Oh, questions. there they go. Oh, yeah, About to say. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Sister, uh, Sister Sacred. Um, peace, Brother Mustafa. That was an excellent presentation that you gave. I was taking notes really quickly. I really didn't have a question. I just was agreeing with a lot of um, things that you were saying. Um, one thing was about assumptions. Um, I can't remember what I wanted to say on that part, but I just know when I try to speak to people or, you know, um, people lie. And that's a, a thing that really irritates me. Um, I can know the truth about something and then I'm asking that person and wanting clarity from them. And I know for a fact that they're lying. It's almost like that will cut the conversation off um, with me um, having with them. Uh, mm -hmm. Another thing... Um, Let's see, self-awareness, when you were talking about authenticity and self-awareness. Okay, I got the authenticity part of it. Yes, you want to stay true to yourself and, you know, having the courage to be you despite what other people think you should be. But then when you mention self-awareness, that's what I'm going to battle because people may not like what I have to say because I'm going to tell them the truth about themselves. Um, especially say if I'm talking to my girlfriends and they're wondering why they don't have a solid relationship and I'm looking at them, I'm like, well, perhaps it's the way you dress, the way you talk, things I want to say, you know, mm -hmm. stay true, but then they get upset if you come with the truth and they'll be like, you know, uh, you know, who are you? You, you know, uppity or, you know, yeah, we can't have it like you. You're lucky because you got a relationship. So it's hard. Yeah things um, I'm battling with and yeah. uh, but to, and then listening I'm a fast talker especially if I know uh, about a subject and I hear someone you know trying to explain what they're going through and I'm like okay boom I got the answer to it but I don't give people enough time to express themselves it seems like they're talking too slow and boom I can get to the let's get to the end of it and move on and I know that people get irritated with me they're like let me say what I have to say 
And so I have to, you know, slow down and listen fully and understand. I'm usually right. I'm still at the part where. <laughs> <laughs> he said i'm usually right i mean they're they just all messed up i'm usually right but right. anyway who's counting <laughs> but, yes, but the test the assessment it really hit those points and i'm so impressed and i can't wait for part two and uh but that's that's basically what i wanted to say stuff that i was getting off of the call thank you i love it hey are you open to feedback i'm i'm gonna are you open to some feedback can i give you some feedback on what you just shared of course, yeah. I, I, I think I think this will benefit the group, right? You know, my imagination is if you're a business leader, if you're someone, and it sounds like you are, my my imagination tells me, my edu my educated assumption, right? Not just my plain assumption, but my educated assumption. You feel me, brother West? I just want to make sure I'm not falling victim to my own mistakes here. But my educated assumption tells me that you don't want to be in a position where you keep having to correct people, right? Like who, who wants to run a business where people are always making mistakes? I imagine you want to get to a point where you don't have to keep correcting people. I imagine you want to get to a point where you don't have to do the work to, to make money, right? Wouldn't it be nice to get to a point where we have people who committed, who understand their assignment, who are grateful for the opportunity, who are paying attention to the details, who follow through on what they say they were going to do in time. You can follow through on what you said you were going to do, but you do it six months later. That don't mean you follow through on what you said you were going to do. All right. So on time, all that is important. So if you want all of those things and the ways in which you have been navigating or, or working with others has not created that outcome for you, you gotta, you gotta realize a change is necessary and you need to change, not them. Even if you're right, that's the tough thing about being a leader is that we have to change even though we're right. That's tough. That take, that take, that's, that's why you're called in that position. So number one, I got to tell you, people don't like to be corrected. They like to be coached. Right, right, right. right? So no one is going to come on and say, you're right, I lied. They're not going to say that. You know, you know how difficult it is for people to admit to faults in their character? They're not going to do that, especially not to the person who's cutting their check or who's responsible for their opportunity. So just know people don't like to be corrected. They like to be coached. And so take a solution-oriented mindset into all of those conversations. Don't think about trying to get someone to admit the problem, the fault, the mistake. Mm. I never find value in that because the more we sit here, like I look at the stuff happening between Palestine and Israel right now, everyone is trying to sit here and talk about who's right and who's wrong. Mm. I'm like, do, do you all not see the thousands of of kids that are dying? Is, like, can we just put away the, the labels, the politically correct terms that barely anyone understands anyway? I don't know what Zionism means. I don't know why anti I don't know what any of those words mean. I just see dead babies. But, you know, I just had a seventh month. I just had a daughter seven months ago. I can't help but put myself in their shoes and just say, oh my God, God forbid that was mine. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. I don't care about right or wrong. I care about the solution. Mm-hmm. The solution. And so a lot of us need to enter our relationships, especially with people we work with, and not focus so much on getting someone to admit that they're wrong or getting someone to do this. Just work on getting to a solution, right? Coach people don't correct them. So just wanted to share that for, for some feedback, and hopefully that's helpful for you. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. All right. Next up, uh, we have great feedback, by the way. Uh, uh, Sister Melva. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum salam. 
Thank you so much, Brother Mustafa. Very good presentation. Um, assumption, unchallenged beliefs. Now, help me with this. Unchallenged beliefs is like a program. It's like, um, doesn't have to be true. A belief is something a person gives the nod to or accepts as a truth. Doesn't necessarily have to be true. It can be some kind of program that you've been programmed to believe over and over and over again, but it doesn't make it valid. Am I right? right? That's okay. right. Correct. All right. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page with the um, unchallenged beliefs. <clears throat> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Okay. As far as um, relationships and Sister Sacred, I'm with her, I'm with her, you know, up to a point there that when you're trying to establish a, a connection or a relationship, you take your mask off, you know, you're totally naked, exposed, and the person you're talking to, they're not um, being genuine, authentic. They are not. Um, forthcoming mm -hmm. and so uh you can't really have a relationship with a person like that if they are not going to be genuine and authentic they can stay in their lane and be themselves just be yourself i'm over here i'm going to be myself my communication this is the thing about me my communication is never to hurt or to harm I am very passionate, um, but I'm going to be me and I'm going to allow the other person to be who they are. Just be genuine. Just be authentic in who you are. Don't be playing games. Now, it takes a lot of work on a person to be able to get to that point. You've got to go inside and face yourself. You've got mm -hmm. to look at your own demons you got to know yourself you got to look at that that force inside that runs and hides and sneaks and you know you got to know like you were sharing you got to know yourself and so what i'm saying is when you put yourself out there you want the others around you to do the same thing we all have different gifts just know where we just know where we're supposed to be in terms of the whole operation. Then like you were saying, we can come together and then we can work together as a unified whole. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't be the head, everybody can't be the little finger, everybody can't be the heart, but we can be who we are as long as we stay in our land. Okay. And right, people don't like criticism. They don't like criticism. They don't know how to take it. But there are parts of us that we are blinded to that other people can see sometimes and can share information with us and help us to be a better person. That's why I learned so much from Minister Burka. Thank you so very much, uh, brother. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, folks, remember this. You got two options, right? Because, again, completely putting yourself out there on Front Street we're making the assumption that everyone else 
is going to have the courage to be as vulnerable as we are. I would love for that to be the case, but that's not always the reality. So remember, when it comes to situations like that, you got two options. When you're working with people who still are working on themselves, you can either limit the relationship or I should say limit the contact, right? So that you, it's like, remember when COVID was was running rampant? What did they say? Hey, distance yourself from the virus. Not to say you can't live, not to say you can't breathe, not to say you can't go outside, but you distance yourself from the virus so that you can limit your, uh, uh, like you can limit the extent in which you too can get sick. And so just remember that when you're working with people who you feel they still have some growing to do and you mean well for them, limit your contact. You don't have to be talking to this person every single day, right? You don't have to talk to this person every week. You can limit your contact. And in some cases, I know this is tough to say, but in some cases you have to eliminate the relationship completely. Maybe resurface or come back in another, in another season when, when both of you had, you know, come to a, a, a mutual level. So, yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sister Yolanda. Assalamu alaikum. Brother Mustafa just answered my question. So I don't have one at this time because that is something that, um, as Brother Ben and I have expressed on the call, I'm dealing with trying to mend the relationship with my sister. So that's it and that's all. I mean, I can't, if it requires me to do my social distancing, whether it's family or not, it is what it is. And in due season, in a lost timing, if it comes back around, I will pick up and continue. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate everything you've given me. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Brother Wesley? Assalamu alaikum. Uh, beautiful presentation. Uh, definitely can't wait for part two. Um, because I, taking these assessments, I kind of shared this with the team as well, though, taking these assessments in the corporate world, disassessments and things like that sheds so much light. And I think this particular part of my journey in being more authentic to myself has been a beautiful thing as well. So I'm able to see some things that I know I need to improve on and things that I was aware of, but I see it a different way. But my question really um, in that uh, process of being self-aware, me personally, um, not to assume, but I feel as if I'm I'm self-aware to a point where I, I overthink, like I brought up as well, I overthink. So I kind of really get into myself. I'm really interpersonal when it comes to looking at when I do certain things, I'm, I want to go back and look at the film and see how did it come across. I may think that I'm saying it, as you brought up as well, about the intent versus impact. Um, and a lot of times I get caught up on the intent sometimes, but I'm also reviewing the impact so much that I'm losing. Um, I feel like I'm losing some of my joy in doing what I do because I'm, I'm kind of critiquing it too much. Um, so I guess my question would be, as far as self-awareness, is there a way or is it possible that you can over overly self-access where a point where you're you're damaging the product in a sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me tell you a quick story, right? I remember um, being on the road with E and he did a large presentation in Vegas, I believe. I think it was about 3,000 insurance agents. It was the first real big presentation that I went with him to just like see what he does on YouTube, but in real life. So he gets off stage and I'm like, oh, E, man, that was great. How did you feel about it? Or how did you think people received it was my actual, actually my question. He's like, I don't care how they received it. I said, wait, what, what you, how, how do you not care how they received it? Like, that's, that's what you're like. You're, you're for the people. Like, you care about helping and inspiring and motivating. He's like, I gave it my best. 
I know I did what I had to do. Now, whether or not they were in a position to receive it, that's none of my business. That was so transformative for me because I realized that, yes, because it's easy for you to think, you can overthink and then you want to control how people respond to you. You can't control how they respond to you. So that overthinking is when you start to worry about, well, do they like me or not? Are you really focused about making you better if you're worrying about whether or not people like you? You're judging your performance based on how people respond, not based on whether or not you did what you're supposed to do. So that, that, that's a big piece. But to answer your question flat out, absolutely. If it's easy for you to think, it's going to be easy for you to overthink. And it's not helpful if you start going away from what the, the objective is to then focus on, well, what do they think? That's, that's, not, the, that's not the point. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. And then next up, next up, we have uh, Brother Jax. Assalamualaikum, family. Can you hear me? Got you loud and clear. All right. I'm going to have to start pressing one a little faster. It seems like Brother Wesley always gets to my point somehow, some way before me. But, um, you know, before I before I speak, I always argue with myself, my other self, five times and come up with five scenarios and five answers. And then I, the, the one I think is the smarter me, you know, I take that logic and then I speak. And when I don't get what I want, I'm now I'm, I'm oh, you stupid. You, you didn't come to the same conclusion as me. You got to be stupid. And that's that's a bad trait. That's a real bad trait because I'm going to hear a so many that I know the answer to a problem that I didn't even probably create. But I'm out here trying to play a CSI investigator. Like I have tools to get the right answer. Really coming up with humanly perceptions and assumptions on what I experienced, what I think I know. And now I'm incorporating it in my answer. And now I expect you to know what I know. Mm. And you didn't grow up like me. You didn't grow up where I grew up. You didn't grow up in the conditions I grew up. So your perception of this situation is is way different. And I, I need to open up my mind to be able to say, like, why does this person see it that way? How do they see it that way? And why and where did they come to their conclusions? And like I said, uh, when, you, uh, when you argue with yourself, first and foremost, you don't even have a clear answer because you argue with yourself three, four times. So now you're not even unsure. So maybe this person that you didn't open your mouth to, they might they might agree with the, the third argument you had in your mind. They might agree with your first perception. So just, you know, just furthering myself in, in, in knowledge and trying to open up and be, be somebody who can listen first. Yeah. Instead yeah, of talking midway through that sentence. Right, right. Let, let, let me let me let you guys know what's the baseline for success. Right. This is the baseline for success. Uh, faith, like part one of it is the right result. Nothing else. The right result. Nothing else. Result, result, result. Like E.T. is always on top. Results, results, results. That's his big thing. Just, just get the result. Part two is right person, right result. 
And the reason why I say the first one is just right result, because you might have to be wrong to get the right result. Like, honestly, and I know this may sound so harsh, but it does not matter if you were right, but you're not satisfied with the quality of life you live. I'm just speaking to the, to the group as a whole, not just you, Brother Jax, but I'm just saying it does not matter. Oh, I was right. Okay. And has your financial situation changed? Have you been able to help more significantly as a result of you being right? Have your relationships experienced more blissfulness than before then? Has your health improved as a result of it? Has your mental situation? If the answer is, well, no, actually no to that one too. Oh no, definitely not there. I didn't, my, my bank account still looks exactly the same. Just be, so what, what are you right at? That's why I say, again, when we're right, we're just trying to protect our ego and, you know, and this whatever, like put up, pretend to be all put together, but nobody relates with that. So again, you guys got to prioritize the right outcome, not the right self. There it is. Yes, sir. Uh, and then the last one I see is Sister Yasina. Assalamualaikum. So, um, thank you for the presentation, and I am going to go back and watch it. So, I'm a very, and I am working on it, I'm a very analytical person. I will analyze a worm if I don't think it's going in the right direction. So, uh, what would be uh, one of your suggestions um, cause I am working, <laughs> but I would, um, but I know with me being the way that I'm wired, it's, um, it can be frustrating. So, um, I just want to know what would be a, a suggestion from you. I got you. I'm not, I'm trying to look at, look for a graph that I have saved on my computer here. I can find it, I think it will be really helpful for you uh, to see. Give me a second. Let's see if I can find it. I, I want to I be able to pull it up for you. If not, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to use visual prompts to better articulate what I uh, am trying to say now as I look to improve my communication, you know what I'm saying, style. Mm -hmm. So check this out, right? I found it. This is good. This is good, right? So for anyone who's overly analytical, this is the premises or the core issue of how you're wired. All right, look at this cycle. A standard cycle is think, test, I don't know, something else, take action. That's a standard cycle, right? But notice how an overthinker is going to think. They're going to think some more. They're going to think about what they thought about. And just when it's time to take action, like this arrow should not be pointed back up at the beginning of your cycle. You should put to test what you have thought about, what you have discovered, what you think may happen. You have to put it to test. You have to take action. Taking action is the only way to test what you've thought about, what you found, what you've, any of those things. You have to put it to action. And something about the thinker because, and, and, and this is where you got to be careful, right? Because it's easy for you to think, it's easy for you to overthink. You're like, no, but action is foreign to me. 
I don't like to act. That's not my, that's not a part of my natural wiring. Thinking is a part of my natural wiring. So you end up here, you know what you do? You come back up here again, you start your cycle over again, and this becomes your, this is an overthinking loop, what you call an overthinking loop. And so for everyone who is on the line, who's saying to themselves, man, I'm an overthinker. I have one piece of advice for you. Act on the thinking you have done up to this point. Just try, just put it into action. And don't think that just because you took action, you're now married to the thing. You know what I love about software? We, we, we invested about $1.4 million into developing the flight assessment. Everything from research and development to working with the data scientists and the organizational psychologists and the software developers and the programmers, right? When we look at that process over about five years, it really took us about $1.4 million. And I used to be, and that's why I tell you, I don't come on here to pretend to tell you I'm perfect and I got all these things figured out. I got all the right answers. I am not it. Naturally, I'm someone who Arabic was my first language. English is my second language. And so you already know there was a huge disconnect and a confidence and a, and a fear of public speaking, all of that. But on top of it, I'm naturally air traffic control. So similar to those of you who say you're overthinkers, that is who I am by nature. And I remember being stuck in that cycle. But when I started working in software, what I loved about software and why I'm so interested in tech and technology or tech and software right now is what I realized is you can put out version one of the assessment and on the back end, make some adjustments, upgrades, improvements based on what you think or thought was necessary and go back and reiterate. And so never feel, and this is why I feel like most air traffic controls never take action because they think that if they take action on what they've thought about up to this point, and it's not the level that they want to, you know, they want it to be, then they're married to that quality. No, you're not married to that quality. You can reiterate, you can upgrade, you can improve, but you can't upgrade if you do nothing. Like if Apple never put out iPhone one, they would not be up to iPhone 15. Imagine if Steve Jobs just said like, nah, it's not perfect yet. No, 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 no. We need, we need to wait. We need to wait. Think about how many millions, billions, and trillions of dollars he would have left off the table because he did not want to take iPhone 1, iPhone, iPhone X, all the crazy stuff that they've been that we look at them all crooked for. It's a part of their plan. They just understand, hey, we want to get to perfection, but we can't get to perfection if we do nothing. So that overthinking cycle, man, you guys got to really take action at the end of your think loops and then reiterate, repeat. And just to veggie back, just to veggie back off of that, um, uh, especially those of y'all who have heard us say that mistakes does shall not exist in the nation of Islam, that does not mean that we don't make a mistake. It means that when we do it, we correct it. So in actually mm -hmm. taking action, it's actually getting us closer to what we really want which is that perfected self so when we hear a minister make a mistake and somebody comes and bring a note he corrects it right there that's the process of getting to where we want to be so we'll never get to the correction just because you take action don't mean you still thinking of, you, you're not thinking the wrong thought now we, we have to go and actually take action to, to perfect ourselves. When you look at LeBron James, when you look at Steph Curry, they took a bunch of shots. Michael Jordan took a bunch of shots. He didn't sit there and be like, okay, get my hand right. Okay, ah, 
Uh, <laughs> nope, not ready yet. Mm-mm. No, he had to. Okay, that one. Oh, I was too strong on that one. Okay, that one was too short. Like he had to find his rhythm. So I just wanted to give y'all that as as something that y'all could possibly relate to. Mistakes not existing does not mean that we won't mess up or that we are perfect. It just means that when we don't do it the correct way, we now are exposed to the right way and we just do it better or the right way the next time and correct the mistake. So sorry I uh skipped you, Sister Randisha. Last closing out with Sister Randisha. Assalamualaikum family. So one of the things that stood out to me when I took the flight assessment was first off when I was taking it before I took the flight assessment, I had to pray. I was like, dad, should I be true or should I lie? Right. <laughs> and it was like you get the pregnancy results, no matter how many times you're pregnant. It, um, When you get those results, it's like that. But one of the things that stood out to me was that I'm defensive. And as my grandfather and I was listening and I was telling him, I was like, dad, you know, I took this assessment and, you know, it stated that I was offensive. He was like, you do come off like that. And I was like, dad, you know what I mean? But I was just wondering, you know, what can I do? Because that's not how I want to portray myself as coming Mm -hmm. off defensive. But I do have my guard up for certain reasons. But if I do yeah. play defense, I also want to play offense. I know I don't know much about sports, but I want to make sure that I'm yeah. all the way farewell around. So that was one of the things that's Yeah, so you. The, the the essence of being defensive, by the way, right? Um, it's it's usually because we feel that we're being attacked every time someone is giving us feedback. We feel that we're being attacked personally. They're attacking attacking us as a person. And so the easiest way I can explain it is you have to change your thought process or how you view personal feedback, right? Number one, you should always ask yourself, who is What's the source that's providing me with the feedback? Is this a trusted source? Because if you meet a random person in the street and they make a comment about what you're wearing or what you're doing or what you're about to do, and you have, they have nothing to stand on. This is not someone you aspire to be like. You don't respect anything about them. Whatever the case may be, why would you even take their critique of you so personal? Right? So you have to first ask yourself, is this a trusted source that is providing me with feedback so that I can take into consideration whether or not I should even make an adjustment. That's the first one. So a lot of us, we waste on our, we waste our energy and we defend ourselves to people who, whose business is, it, it's not their business, whether or not what you're doing is right or wrong, right? You don't aspire to be like them. Don't pay it no mind. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is we look at it as a personal attack on us, meaning that we're bad people instead of a personal critique to our action. And so when you separate yourself from the actions that you di- that you take, you realize that people are critiquing your actions, not your character. And so that's the second part that helps you to not respond so defensively. You have to be open-minded to, that's why I say, not everyone is ready to be coached. You ever see that movie with Denzel when, when, uh, when there's like a scene where he's like, I want the truth. He's like, you can't handle the truth. Right. That's the essence of not everybody is ready to be coached. Not everybody wants the constructive criticism. Not everyone can stand the heat. And so 
when you look at it through that lens, then you say, all right, I'm a good person. I mean, well, I know me. So my character is no longer in question. Now, the person who's providing me with feedback, they care about me. They love me. They want to see me grow and they have to stretch me a little bit. All right. That's why we always say if you've been coddled your whole life, you start to walk almost with a privilege that, oh, I deserve this without working for it. So this is why I always say that double standard that we naturally have as humans, we don't like it for other people, but we want to make it an exception for ourselves. Not intentionally. I'm not saying talking bad about us, but that's a good way for us to say, oh, is that a different perspective that I can look at this so that I can improve? So that's that final piece. Can you repeat what you said about critique? Which part? Did Hoping? you say something about critique? Uh, man. I don't, I don't know, know why I, I feel like I heard. Did he say something about critique? Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying the part of the part of people get defensive when they're getting critiqued, mm. right? It's like, it's when you take feedback too personal, you're taking constructive criticism personally because you're saying, oh, this is a personal attack on me. But you, but that's why I say, step one, ask yourself, is this a trusted source that I can rely on or aspire to be like? Is this person in the position of, as, as a coach, as someone who guides me as a mentor? Because if they are, then you should be more open to their feedback. It's constructive criticism, not just right criticism. Now, the second piece is always remind yourself that most coaches and mentors when they love you and want to see you grow, they're not going to always say, great job, great job. I know you made a mistake, but I'm making a mistake, but it's okay. They're going to stretch you to think beyond what you've already done. But you have to know that that critique is going to the actions that you took, not your character. That's the essence of a good critique, right? It's like, I'm not, I already know, like, I have no question about your character, brother Ben. So if I ever give you feedback in a situation, it's not saying that you're a bad person, I'm saying, oh, I think you could have strategically done the following to to achieve these outcomes. Makes sense. I, I wanted to, I was just making sure that's what you said. I wanted to add this, Sister uh, Randisha from The Minister. This is on Twitter. It's two tweets that he made that I think will help us uh, in that. He said, your critics sometimes are better for you than your so-called friends. Because your friends tell you what they think you want to hear. And then the second tweet says, a critic will write about you or talk about you in a way that if you have wisdom, you look deep into what your critics say. So I just add that, you know, sometimes we are. And remember what the minister said about or the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said about mud. Mud has dirt, but it also has water. So it has truth in it. And if you have the right attitude towards the mud that's being thrown at us, then we'll use that mud and purify ourselves, kind of like manure. So it's kind of like, the, you know, he gives that analogy about the donkey in the dish. They thrown so many stones that after a while that he was able to step on the stones and get out the ditch. So it's not that, you know, sometimes they may be in error and watch this. Their intentions may actually be 
bad intentions, to make you feel a certain type of way, to make you feel wrong. But if we have the right attitude and rise above our emotions into the thinking of God, we hear it and no, he hating. But we also say, but he was right on that part right there though. Oh, but I, I got to take that part right there. And if we just correct ourselves as we all have to do, including them, they only really making us better. At the end of the day So I just want to add that perspective about uh, um, Critique So uh, we're not going to keep you too much longer Man we don't want to uh, take up our part two section <laughs> But I thank you man for coming on And um, you know giving us this wisdom And allowing us and, and me To finally utilize this disc assessment That i just been sitting on uh, So I want to give you the opportunity to close With any closing words that you may have Man, no, just uh, like I said, the power is in your hands and that's good news. Everything that we've talked about today, and that's why I've had to really hint at when I hear someone in conversation naturally starting to lean on, I'm right, but day, like, no, 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 no. This was about you, not day. This was about you. So just remember as you navigate your conversations, your relationships today and beyond, the power is in your hands, not them. It's not their fault. You could do something differently to create a better outcome for yourself. So keep that in your back pocket as you navigate relationships. I appreciate you guys for giving me the time and uh, we'll be in touch again soon. Yes, sir. And for those who are tuning in, make sure that you go to the Power Call app and give your testimonial. Today was great. We had a special guest and y'all know we always love to have our um, special guests get some type of feedback and hear some type of, uh, you know, testimonial so they can see the impact, the impact. See, we talking about impact, see the impact that it has. So make sure y'all go under the testimonials, not under the post. I see y'all been doing that lately. Go back to testimonials and that's where you give your feedback so god willing we'll see you guys tomorrow at 8 a.m central time assalamu alaikum is brother ben here brother ben now ben got a heck of a program a lot of people listening to brother ben and Ben tells them about the minister. And Ben tells them about the minister.